Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the most important person in the game. The only person who's capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the players at your table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And I'm DM Chris, just DM Chris. That's it. Chris Chris Maniac. Chris Chris Maniac. That's what C- Count of Monte Cristo. I don't know. Ooh. We'll we'll maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Mm-mm. Nope, not doing it. All right, what are we doing this week, Neil? So for this one, it's going to be let's get rangerous. And as you can wager, we're going to talk about the ranger class, the history behind it, and the cool things you can do with it. Yeah. So this week for some iTunes reviews, we actually don't have any. So if you want a shout out in this position for future episodes, go over to your iTunes account and search Dungeon Master's Block and leave us a five-star review and you will get a shout out, a personal shout out here on a future episode. But with that, Neil, you know what time it is. It is time for the meat. Oh, stop it. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? So like Neil said in our intro, we are talking this week all about the Ranger class. And as we start, uh, the Ranger is probably one of the more iconic classes of D&D. Like when I think of a four-person party... A ranger definitely is one of those classes that is represented in that original group of four people. Uh, it's one of those classes that's been around since original D&D all the way up to present. It's, it's one that people have come to know and love, whether you, whether you are one of the first people that ever picked up the game or whether you are new to fifth edition, this is a class that you have probably seen, read up on, and if you've played it, you've absolutely loved it. Uh, the ranger was primarily based, and we talk about Middle Earth stuff all the time on this podcast. But the Ranger was primarily based on the character Aragorn in the Rangers of the North of J.R.R. Tolkien's Middle-Earth mythos as warriors who use tracking and other wilderness skills to hunt down their enemies. And I think, when I think of a Ranger, Neil, I don't know how it is for you, but I think of the classic Aragorn, you know, Strider sitting in the corner of the the uh, prancing pony with his pipe, you know, just smoking his tobacco over in the corner, you know, hood drawn, dim lit lights on his face, kind of that outsider guy looking in tough, you know, ridden down by the elements that he's come across. That's what I think of when I think of Ranger in D&D. Definitely. Anything from the Fellowship of the Ring? Like, yes. Oh, but. totally. Yeah. Give me, give me King's foil. That's a yeah. weed, right? That sounds so ranger esque. It's not even funny. Or and then like his demeanor when he's originally like traveling with them, and like how they're going to approach traveling across that vast distance. The interesting thing, though, is that the original D and D ranger did not stop at Fellowship of the Ring. They took right. that whole idea and put it together in one of the weirdest interpretations of a ranger <laughs> that I can think of. <laughs> Yeah, we were talking off air and we just said, yeah, original D&D as we're reading notes on it just had some really cool and crazy things in it all at the same time. Uh, you want to wear heavy plate? Um, Aragorn did that one time. Um, do you remember when he like kind of healed someone? They should be able to heal. So give them cleric spells. <laughs> yeah. It'll be fine. Well, I, Don't worry I about think it. it was I think it was like once it came to second edition, they were like, yeah, 
That's kind of not really Ranger-esque. We'll still allow it, but you definitely lose out on some benefits by wearing heavier armor. I think it was second edition that they started to do things like that. But yeah, um, yeah. so some of the other cool things about uh, the early, early days of Rangers is the AD&D second edition handbook mentions several other inspirations from, from myth and legend, such as Robin Hood. I know I loved Robin Hood growing up. Like I used to check books out of the library that were meant for like high school and college age kids on Robin Hood and King Arthur and things like that. So Robin Hood is, is a man that I know, I know well, and all of these are great. If you ever want any sort of ideas for NPCs, we'll talk about those in a little bit, but some of these names like Aragorn and Robin Hood and another one for second edition, Jack, the giant killer, the huntress of uh, Diana and the Greek hero Orion are all great places for you to start for possible NPCs that would be Rangers in your world. Definitely. And like we said, it had that very, very deep tie to Aragorn in its original iteration, but then kind of ebbed and flowed into more of its own as each edition went on and saw some very strong changes because of how robust the options were when it was originally created. Yeah. And so whether it was like, I know like hit dice became a big deal. They finally got D8 hit dice in 3.5. I think it was, um, you had, you know, lim- more limited options as far as what type of, uh, armors you could wear based off of penalties you would receive. They gave you like, whether, you know, we think of Aragorn with the, with the bow, like when I think of Ranger, I think of bow primarily, uh, as the, as the main weapon of choice, but then they gave you like, uh, super cool options to do two-handed fighting, which, you know, they, there were some, there were some rumblings out there on the internet that said, you know, maybe Dritz had a little p- part to play in that with the two-handed fighting and everybody would just deny that that was, that was of course the case that he, he had a lot to do with that. But, you know, we'll let them have their legends and their myths, but we really know why <laughs> Rangers allow two-weapon fighting now. Uh, yeah. And, then of course, adding in the beast companions in one way or the other, yeah, broke from completely broken methods to please don't send my cat out there. I like that cat. Yeah, right. Yeah, we, don't don't use my cat as a trap finder unless you don't like cats. Then you can use the cat as a trap finder. <laughs> I'll get another one in a week. Don't worry about it. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, we'll, no big we'll deal. This, we'll beat this dungeon in a year or two. Don't worry. There's cats yeah. everywhere. Yeah, I'll just I'll just animal handle another creature and it'll be fine, right? So we love all of these past editions. We owe a lot of what we love about D&D to the past, but we are going to focus on the current ranger type that is out there. Uh, and so 5th edition, as you are well aware, they started to split the classes up. They have the same main class, but then underneath that, they have archetypes that you can start to go into. But before we get into some of those archetypes, we want to share with you some ideas as a DM of why rangers can be so awesome to throw into your game or why players can make such great characters that are rangers in your game. What can they add to your story to make your game great? Some of the parts of the base ranger class that make role-playing fun for a ranger is, I think one of the cool things, Neil, and you can you can probably speak to this a little bit too, is the fact that they are deadly hunters this is something that as i as i read through the player's handbook i absolutely fell in love with the ranger because they are these absolutely deadly hunters so what i love about the fact that they're deadly hunters is that they are known for learning to track their quarry as a predator does like i just have this image like you think of rangers you think of hood up 
stealthing through these plants and these trees, like stalking their prey, and you know, all of a sudden loosing the arrow or slicing down with the sword with just deadly accuracy. They are so good at hiding through, or hiding themselves in these brushes and these trees that they make the perfect killing machine for like a single target. We'll talk about favored opponent soon as we get more into the uh, current ranger setup that, that the rangers have. But I think one thing that makes them awesome, one thing that I always think about is like the rogue is really, really sneaky, right? Like that's, that's their thing. But rangers do it in a way that's almost predatory, which is really cool to think about. Like a predator, a wolf, stalking its prey through the through the forest and through the underbrush i love that that hunter or that rangers are known as deadly hunters yeah and with that it's like that familiarity with nature is you can almost see the eyes in the bushes and you're like is that a you know, in like some large cat that is about to pounce and it's like oh no i just got shot with an arrow <laughs> um but like that affinity for nature also gives them their spellcasting ability now. And mm-hmm. that's kind of a change that's happened over time. And, you know, and it seems to make so much sense now because like that's just the way it is and it makes perfect sense. And everything's it, like emphasizing their ability to combat and speed, stealth, and just hunting down the prey that they that they want to stalk. Yeah, they, they, it's kind of cool because like I imagine – they're trying they're like mixing with druids or you know somebody who knows nature really well and it's like teach me how to manipulate nature in my favor because i need to be the best predator that i can for these invasive creatures or potential threats of other people coming in like i need to be the best so druids please teach me some of those spells that you know to help me become the best predator that i can uh, w- one other thing that I really, really like about them is they're kind of, you know, y- you, we talk about the character of Aragorn being a big space of, or spot of information for the original D&D that came out. Well, this idea of them being independent adventurers also perfectly ties into this. They're the, they're the people that thrive on living in the outskirts. And so th- I almost imagine they're the people that don't get the credit the king is the one that gets the credit for protecting them from, you know, these these dragons that are off in the wildlands or the orcs or whatever. But I just imagine this king has this band of independent adventurers who just hunt down these these creatures on the outskirts of town and are the ones re- the rangers are really the ones responsible for keeping this city safe, but will never fully get the recognition that they did or that they should deserve to get because they're these such independent adventures and at times that probably rubs people a little you know sideways people that are independent adventurers usually have a little bit of a rough side to them uh, you know and they probably don't shower often enough and, right and right. the the independent adventure idea the ranger was actually the first character i played the first single character i played nice um, so and then it was as just one character and the dm so that was pretty interesting thing and it that was back in second edition so like that concept and that ability to do so has worked for a very long time yeah and i you know i wonder sometimes too i think the rogue gets a lot of bad rap for being the one that's always worried about their own self but it's almost like i know one thing that the player's handbook says is that rangers are independent somewhat to a fault you know knowing that like they either are going to be the last person staying while everybody else flees because they're worried about taking this creature out more than anybody else. Or it could be the flip side of that where they're like, yeah, sorry, 
this is not my time to die, but you guys can keep this thing busy. I have other things to go and worry about. So it's like almost that independent nature can be both a blessing and a curse for the ranger that's kind of just out there in the in the middle of the wilderness, you know, just defeating these creatures. So then another thing that has persisted throughout the many years is the favorite enemy. Um, it started out a little over the top. And when I say a little, I mean, it was pretty much every land based creature that existed was your favorite enemy. So it's toned it back a little bit and you still have to kind of choose a type of enemy that you're favored. And usually that kind of has an RP element. So the tribe of orcs that took out your town or the dragons that constantly harass the area that you've been defending for the past decade, things of that nature. So mm-hmm. it, it, I love it because it's both mechanical and role play based. So yeah, you get the best of both worlds. It's almost like they're trying to start you off in a role playing game by role playing, by having to come up with some sort of favorite enemy. And, and I think a lot of times you know, you could go into a game and just say, yeah, the orc is my favorite enemy. Well, why is that? They just, they just are, uh, you could do that or you could come up with some sort of sweet story for either an NPC or help your characters come or your players come up with a sweet story to help improve your game in the long run of, okay, you have orcs as your favorite enemy. Well, why do you have orcs as your favorite enemy? Oh, they came through and slaughtered all of your livestock and basically, you know, left your family to starve to death or they enslaved you as a child or, you know, they they could have done any number of things and immediately you as a player are hooked into this game because the orcs are your favorite enemy because they did something diabolical to you as a child or even as an adult. Uh, and so yeah. I love the fact that right from the beginning with the ranger class, they're like, nope, we're almost forcing you into some sort of story-based RPG type character, which is really, really cool. Oh, yeah, and then even with the last sentence of that section saying, as you gain levels, you're going to, well, you gain more favorite enemies that you can choose, but as you gain levels, your choices should reflect the types of monsters that you have encountered on your adventures. Right. Yeah, so, so like it doesn't even, make sense if you're going to take an ooze for an enemy and you haven't seen an ooze your entire journey. That wouldn't yeah. make sense at all. So, yeah. you know, like, even that last part of it, even while you're role you're adventuring you need to be thinking mechanical and role play still together and like trying to decide which monster really made me mad and now i'm going to learn everything i can about it to get the rest of them yeah which one has hit me the hardest and therefore i need to hit even harder back as a ranger yeah another thing that i really really like about the ranger that really plays into it's characteristic of being in the, in nature and in the forest and in whatever sort of environment you're in is the idea that once you hit level 10, you can hide in plain sight. So, you know, most times characters are really reliant upon shadows or some sort of object to hide behind, you know, like a, a wall that you can hide behind of a crumbled out, you know, a crumbled keep that's out in the middle of the forest. Most people need that, some sort of nook and cranny. Well, Ranger, what's really cool, as long as they have access to some sort of natural material, they can build almost a shelter or build, you know, stick them in their clothing or whatever, almost like a ghillie suit type thing. And they could just lay down on the floor and hide in plain sight, which is really, really cool, which could make 
a lot of fun moments for your characters to be like, oh my gosh, we got to hide. And you as a ranger are just like, well, I don't need to go anywhere. I can just lay here. They'll pass by me and I'll pop up as they're still looking for yes. you and do even more damage to them, especially if you know they're coming. I would imagine that's not something you could do spur of the moment with like, you know, oh, there's 10 seconds before they round the corner. Well, obviously you're going to run. But if you had like four, five, 10, 20 minutes to just sit there and think about this pack of orcs that are coming by you could totally come up with something fun like that where it's like wait a minute we just checked here why are we getting attacked from behind well that's a sweet moment for your character uh or your player character or your npc to make this this great role-playing story moment for your group to bond together over it's almost i mean it's so over the top it's almost comical like how easy it is for them to hide i mean granted it's at 10th level and you're doing amazing things at that point so right yeah 10th level I, i think we often forget is actually a pretty high level <laughs> Yeah, like we're so much that. higher than commoners at this point in time that it's like we often forget that it's it's halfway through our character levels, but it's like almost godlike status over commoners. I found a branch on the ground. You'll never see me again. <laughs> I am just standing here with a leaf in front of my face. You'll never see me. <laughs> well, and then, I mean, the next one right after it is vanish. So at level 14, you can just hide as a bonus action on your turn. You're just like. I'm gone now. Well, and you can't be tracked either, which is another cool part. Like if you were to just say, all right, I use vanish, you would literally vanish unless somebody used magical means to try and track you. So scent doesn't work anymore at that point. Just simply looking at the ground for broken twigs or, you know, scrapes of bark from your sword bumping up against it or a piece of, you know, a wrapper for, you know, some bread that you had carrying along with you. They wouldn't be able to find those types of things because, you're such a high level and at that point it makes sense that you could if you're you know like you see legolas doing walking on top of snow like it makes sense that at that high a level you could do that sort of thing as a ranger in D. so like we said we both like it but not everyone did and enough so that and much to their credit the people behind D listen they listen very well yes and they do they tried to take another crack at it, and you can check that out in one of the Unearthed Arcanas titled Ranger. It, yeah, so I think it, it was back like find. September of 2015 or something like that. Yeah, and they gave the first five levels of a very different take, like not a very different take, but a different take on it to try and scale up the Ranger class and give right. a, a different approach on it in case you didn't like what's in the player's handbook. And as with all of the classes that you find in the 5th edition player's handbook, the ranger is not immune to the either blessing or curse, according to some some people, but I don't know many of those people. They also have archetypes, like every other class. And they have two archetypes in particular. One is the hunter, which is more of the, especially you know when we talk about this lone ranger going out, doing his own thing, this really fits into that archetype. And then you also have the Beastmaster, which when I heard these two, I was like, oh, this sounds a lot like World of Warcraft, like two paths I could choose from that. But I will say this, there is also a archetype for the ranger called the Deep Stalker that came out in Unearthed Arcana, Light, Dark, and Underdark. But we will not be focusing on that one today. We will be just be focusing on the Hunter and the Beastmaster. So we have the Hunter and we have the Beastmaster. Neil, what did you like from the Hunter class specifically that you want to touch on? Um, usually I look at how front loaded the the class is because consistently, um, people don't play 
the class and characters all the way through. It's just the nature of our hobby because we right. like we come up with other great ideas by listening to podcasts such as this right. and want to try them out. So I usually look at the front end more closely just because I know that's most likely what I would play or my players would play. Mm-hmm. So Hunter's Prey is tons of fun. The Colossals, Colossus Slayer. It's Colossus Slayer, Giant Killer, and Horde Breaker. Those are your options. If that already doesn't hook you in, I don't know what will. Right. Yeah, I I love all of those. Like it's you almost have archetypes within archetypes. Like you have a specific thing that you can choose from. So by the time you get to third level, you might be able to understand if you're going to be facing a bunch of little groups of people. So you take the horde breaker. If you're going to be facing a giant creature, you know, creatures that are much bigger than you all the time, you're probably going to take giant killer. Uh, if you are facing people that you just want to bring down from health because they have a ton of health, you're going to do extra damage to it because you take down Colossus creatures super, super quickly. I love that about uh, the Hunter's Prey portion of this class. I, I really liked the defensive tactics because I, you know, I'm playing a monk, so I'm kind of in the monk mindset. I've really been enjoying patient defense where, you know, creatures that attack against you when you take this kind of stance as a monk get, you know, disadvantage on attacking you. So in defensive tactics, you have, you know, three options that you can choose from. Escape the Horde, multi-attack defense. So if you get attacked buy something that has multi-attack, you get an extra added advantage when it attacks you again. Uh, And also steel will, which just means you have incredible, you you aren't frightened very easily. And so this archetype for the hunter is used to specifically, like it's, it's, it's leaning heavily into that idea that rangers stand between civilization and between the terrors that are the rest of the world. And so the hunter is specifically honing in their craft to be able to take on either the hordes or the giant monsters that are out there waiting to devour civilization. Yes. Which sounds, uh, I mean, it's just a fun concept, especially if you're still kind of thinking about the solo character or even with a group behind you. It's right. Tons of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you're not leaning towards that, you know, that class that is more so independent than not, you could lean towards the Beastmaster, which has a fun little, I guess you could call it kind of quirk, if not a cool concept, with the idea that you are the person that loves beasts. Like, you are the person that embodies friendship between the civilized races and the beasts of the world. And so you unite with the beasts of the of the wilderness in order to protect civilization from the horrors that are out there. And, you know, Neil, we've talked about this at the beginning, but one of the iconic things about the ranger is they have a beast companion. And this is where that specific attribute of theirs shows up, is in the Beastmaster class. Yes, where you can have an eagle, a pair of ferrets, and a large cat with you. Oh, wait, no, that's... That's the 1982 classic, the Beastmaster. That's not. What, that's not what we're talking about. The, I mean, the downside, of course, with that idea is that you're always afraid of losing the animal companion because, right. even at twenty, even at twentieth level, it's only going to get about eighty hit points. So, still scared, but tactically, it, you can gain so much from having an additional body. Um, 
in for the most part, the ranger would want to be in wide open spaces, obviously having and trying to haul around a um, bear. Like an example is if you watch Critical Role, all that they have to go through to carry around Trinket, the bear companion is comical at times, but could be frustrating for you and the other part. Yeah. Yeah, well, what I love about the the beast companion, especially if it's something that's flying, is like you know, there's the rules that if the the creature is engaged with another opponent, the other, you know, the the second or the flanking one will come in and get advantage. Well, what I love about it is most times you're going to go in with your companion, but the eagle is not going to be the main threat. So the creature is not going to focus on the eagle predominantly throughout the whole battle. They're going to be focusing on you and so this little teeny tiny puny creature that doesn't get much additives to its roles to do damage now would potentially get advantage and so this little eagle that you know might do 1d4 peck damage if it hits regularly now has advantage probably will hit more times than not and be able to do loads more damage than what it did so you know we think of these tiny little creatures that you know it's like oh it's fun it's a companion maybe it can be used as a trap you know bait or whatever they can actually do a lot of damage and be extremely useful in fights where you just get a lot of advantages for having that other creature around with you yeah you just have to know whether or not the creature has a breath weapon and if it does you say run (laughs) yeah right (laughs) right exactly yeah or fly away fly 10 feet up what, one other thing that I really like about the beast, too, is that once you hit a high enough level, you cast a spell on yourself. It also affects the beast companion with that spell. That's if it's within 30 feet of you. So if you were to, for example, cast Cure Wounds on yourself because you're targeting yourself, it would also target your companion, you know, your eagle that's been taking a little bit of damage here and there. And he's just like, oh. Thanks for that. Glad we're companions. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for healing me, buddy, friend, pal. You know, all that all that good stuff. So that's a really cool feature that I like about the Ranger class as well is that, you know, you're it's not just like this little buddy that walks around with you. It's like, no, you guys are magically linked in such a way that what happens to me kind of happens to you. So if I if I cast a spell on myself, if I target myself, you're going to be affected by it as well, which is pretty cool. It just it, it adds even more of those story, those role playing moments to your characters that I don't think many other classes have written into their overall class structure. And the the hilarious role play that is you casting either speak with animals or speak with plants, <laughs> and then your animal companion can. Uh, whether you like it or not, join in on that conversation. So as we talk about these classes, I'm sure there's a ton of ideas rolling around in your head as a as a player, as a DM. I know in mine, I have like this character that I really want to play next time uh, that is of the hunter because I really love the idea of being a completely independent adventurer with no help from anybody else. Uh, but we, as the DM's block, really want to focus on the dungeon master here. So we are going to come up with some NPCs, possibly just one NPC. We'll see how it goes uh, to help you as the DM create just an epic adventure for your players. So, Neil, if you were to think of an NPC, what kind of race would this ranger be? I'd have to go... I would go elf. Yeah? Yeah, I think that'd be that'd be the one I'd go with. Yep. Yeah, because they, you know, rangers are built off of dexterity and elves get abilities with wisdom. They, I think they get bonuses with wisdom and dexterity, so that that makes a lot of sense. Perfect. What type of what type of weapon would this creature use? Would this elf use rather? C- 
Creature. Creature. The, uh, I want to go with classic because I kind of have an idea like how you could introduce the uh, NPC to the character. So I'm going to go with a bow still. Okay. All right. Bow. Classic bow. What would be one noticeable physical characteristic that this character would have that you that your players would instantly be bonded to the lo- partial loss of one ear so like oh, one side doesn't okay. really look elven anymore it's got messed up somehow he ran into the classic mike tyson beast out in the wilderness right oh no <laughs> <laughs> and that they would i guess they kind of have reconstructive surgery but they didn't get there in time. Didn't have any ice. There we go. <laughs> right, right. There we go. That's why. Or he just wants it as a cool scar. And maybe that's why his favorite enemy is what? What would his favorite enemy be? I will. I think I'll go with fiends. Okay. Because I thought about going with beasts, but that just feels weird. <laughs> like the the ranger who hates beasts doesn't right. seem right to me. Right, especially when his companion might possibly be a beast. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and what other things would you like to add to this NPC that makes him into something that you would want to use in your campaign? I want to give them the Beastmaster one because then they can have that companion. And I want that companion to be the only only creature that they get along with. Like if there's any interaction with the party, it is with great reluctance. and for, But it seems like all interactions with the beast go along swimmingly. Like if anything, like they might even laugh and then mm-hmm. give stern looks back at the party. Like, hey, yeah. Leave us alone. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I like that a lot. So how, how would you have this person interact with the party though? Like what, under what circumstances would they either have to meet or interact with each other? Man, I feel like this, this guy or this girl, whoever it is out uh, in the wilderness would, come across a group who for whatever reason has gotten into dire straits. Like they either are really low levels wandering off into the wilderness because they think they've either gotten this adventure from some person in the town uh, or they were just like, Oh, we need to go out and find adventure. And they really don't know anything about the wilderness. We often forget that the wilderness is a super dangerous place in D and D And so they're wandering along a path or they're wandering just out in the middle of the forest and come upon these creatures that all of a sudden jump them and they can't get out of the situation. They're just surrounded by everything. And out of nowhere comes either uh, just this NPC or this NPC and one of his friends or, you know, uh, her sister or his brother or, you know, whatever uh, to save the day. And that's how the group... They get a they get a quite the verbal lashing from this NPC that comes jumping out of the forest, like almost prideful, smug, kind of arrogant ranger saying, look, the wilderness is no place for meager weaklings like you go back to where you belong. Don't come back out here. This is my this is my territory. And that's how they build this relationship with that NPC, just kind of stumbling across them in the wilderness. Who's there to save the day for them? Yeah. Which is hilarious because, like, that is the exact scenario that I wanted to present was right, that, that right. they're, like, stuck beyond their means. And then the ranger helps them because, like, the ranger you know, and is good and wants to help them, but not really wants to help them. 
Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, it's one of those things that I often as a DM forget is that the wilderness is a super scary place in D&D. Like you wander out there and, you know, we have we have GPS nowadays. People didn't have GPS where they could just look up on their phone where they're going. Like if you strayed off the path even for a day, you could potentially never find your way back there and you could die of starvation or you know, lack of water or, you know, slipping on a cliff that you didn't know was there or slipping on some underbrush or a creature coming. You know, there's so many possibilities of things that could happen that it makes sense that if you're going out into the wilderness, if you're going to do any straying from a path, you would need a ranger with you. And so the idea of somebody being lost and being rescued by a ranger just makes total sense to me. Yeah. The outside is scary. I know everyone. Uh, everyone believes this. I believe <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. This is why. This is why we do a podcast about Dungeons and Dragons, so we never have to leave home, right? Yeah, you did it <laughs> that one time on a boat. Maybe, maybe again, maybe not. We'll <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So we kind of hinted at the potential for an adventure hook, but what would be some full blown adventure hooks that we could think up for rangers. Yeah. I, I, like I said at the very beginning or when we talked about, like, like we said, when we talked about favorite enemies, I think the favorite enemy can make a perfect adventure hook, especially if it involves something happening to somebody in your family. There's always that, you know, most of us care about our families deeply. uh, And so anything were to happen to our family, it would instantly set off this, you know, either rage or sorrow or, thought of revenge that we needed to get back at this enemy that came across us. And so, you know, maybe it was a dire wolf that came in. And so you just instantly have hatred for all beasts. And because they, you know, came in and took all of your, uh, livestock, your family's likelihood, your family lived so far out in the wilderness. This was their only way of surviving that eventually everybody, you know, got sick from lack of nutrition or they just died from starvation and you were left to fend for yourself, I think makes for a really fun adventure hook for a ranger or a possibly great first story for an adventure to to come across. I also like the idea of like the adventure hook of a ranger getting pulled back to potentially in their homeland because they used to be the one that defended it and now there's no one there. Mm -hmm. And then getting incorporated with other nature-based characters and groups and ideas. So like an order of rangers potentially that while for the most part they keep separate, every now and again they get together and try and figure things out or druids that were helping protect an area, but now they need more help. So having the ranger be the catalyst for areas that will eventually lead to populated areas being attacked. I think another fun adventure hook, if you were to have an NPC that was a ranger become a part of your group, say they meet him in a town, well, what's he doing in a town, especially if it's an extended stay for him in the town? Because that's not, you know, super normal for a ranger to do, to hunker down in a city for a while. But say you were to recruit this ranger for a little while, or you were to get to know this this ranger for a little while and you as a group came across an adventure to go somewhere that this ranger almost had like very strong reactions against going to. I think that could make for a lot of character development for this character that your players are coming against. Like, why doesn't this character want to go here? Is he just like, no, this is a stupid idea. Like I don't want him to go there. Or did something really terrible happen there that is preventing him this strong ranger that always wants to go after 
these creatures out on the outskirts of town that he no longer or she no longer wants to do that sort of thing and now just hunkers back down in the city. So I think that could make for a lot of character development for this character, could make for really strong bonds between your players in this NPC, and could also, if this is your ranger, if somebody came up with this sort of story for their ranger, could make for a really fun role-playing moment for your whole group to enjoy together. So I think that could be a fun sort of adventure hook too, is to pull something from the past that your ranger is absolutely scared of partaking in. Definitely. And I think the other, the the kind of like the last idea I have, and I have no idea where it came from because it's definitely not <laughs> been in our conversation. Right. But just pulled out of the air is how interesting a ranger could be as a villain. Yeah, totally. And going down that hunter path and specking it out to be ready to fight multiple people and just that that they happen to live in the wilderness and <laughs> they are the person that's behind like the roving bands of goblins or orcs and convincing them through fear or whatever that they should band together and through their ability to kill them all if need be. Right. Well, and I just imagine too that this ranger that you're talking about is really good at hiding their own tracks and they're really good, especially if they're in tune with nature to look like they blamed it on some sort of other creature. So this ranger is stealing things from a farm, whether it be crops or whether it be animals to sell for money. They're able to disguise their own tracks by placing, say, wolves' feet everywhere. They have a, you know, a, a way of doing that. Or they have a beast companion who does all of the, you know, messing with the tracks so it looks like it's something else when really it's this ranger this evil ranger who's doing all of these terrible things to the small hamlet city out in the middle of nowhere that can't protect itself from anybody like that we mentioned it at the very beginning but my last thing for the ranger class would be to go to the show notes for this episode and click on the link to the article that was the first thing for the ranger and just soak that in in all of its crazy glory Yes. Yeah, you'll glean a lot of stuff from that article. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a fun read, definitely. (laughs) So that's what we have for you for this episode. We hope that you have enjoyed the discussion that we had about Rangers. Maybe you can take that NPC and use it, take some of the adventure hooks, or maybe we have just inspired you through having a conversation about the Rangers. Maybe there's something that you have heard in a different light that now inspires you to either go and play or incorporate Rangers into your game as a DM. If you'd like to get in contact with us to share your stories about how you have used Rangers in the past as either an NPC or as a player, head on over to your email and type in dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com and shoot your email over to us. We will get back and congratulate you, feel your pain, wallow in your sorrow with you because you use that evil NPC Ranger that Neil talked about. Uh, We will do all of those things through email. You can also leave us an iTunes review, leave us a five-star review, and you will get a shout out in a future episode and it will probably be in a very near future episode because we don't currently have any new ones to share with you so head on over there do that as well you can also find us on stitcher on uh, podcast addict on google play you can find us everywhere where you can get podcasts from and if you want to follow us some more and maybe you do you can head over to facebook and find us by typing in dungeon masters block and you can head over to twitter and you can find us at dms underscore block at dms block 
And for this week, we have another Patreon Dragon shout-out. And that Patreon Dragon is... James. James. Just James. So That's thank it. you so much, James, for hitting us up on Patreon, giving us uh, some support financially. We really, really appreciate it. It helps keep the this show on the air, the internet, whatever Airwaves. we whatever we call this space that you're listening to it in. Uh, James is a feared gold dragon. So James oh, is yeah. able to participate with us every month on our Google Hangout. He also gets access to the Patreon-only forum site, and he also gets all of the bonus episodes that we release on our Patreon as well. So if you would like to participate in those as well, consider hitting us up on Patreon. But unfortunately, like with every episode, we have to say goodbye. And so thank you so much for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block once again, the place where we come to talk about the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God... Killing characters. And lowering the egos of all of the players at your table. Have a great night, everyone. Keep on dungeon mastering. Goodbye.